Welcome to another edition of Splitting Hairs with Max and Nikki. As usual, I'm Max. And I'm Nikki. And together we're... Max and Nikki. On today's episode, we'll be discussing The Simpsons. The Simpsons. In particular, we'll be talking about the writing and... No, what are you talking about? We're going to talk about all aspects, including the writing animation the direction fair uh, enough uh, fair enough uh, all sorts we're, of things we're talking well specifically i guess in particular maybe we'll be talking about the comedy in, in well no everything all aspects Just of the every, simpsons all aspects of the simpsons and basically why we think uh perhaps seasons, seasons 2 no not 2 more like really more like seasons 4 through 7 no nikki trust me starting in halfway through season 2 which includes a well-known episode uh on through maybe even season Book, seven, eight, that are the, are really just they're good, but the best ones are season four. Oh, Nikki, we'll three, get seven. more specifics into right, it, but why we right. think those episodes are perhaps some some of the best uh, TV to watch ever, um, and why we prefer that to The Simpsons currently. And and even and, and how that, the evolution just we'll talk about the evolution of the Simpsons how it became bad right and, and um, uh, we'll talk about I mean we can't, we're not super experts on these newer episodes or even maybe anything after two thousand three I'm not really super well versed in all of the episodes there but I think I've watched enough of it to gather uh, you know uh, to have an opinion on it you know mm-hmm. um, anyway. Before we move on to that, just some station business first. Um, as we a reminder, a, uh, we have uh, another Vintage Basement with Max and Nikki coming up. Comedy show with little in, music. In uh, just dis- about a little over two weeks from now. Is that it? Yeah. Ooh, we got to practice this one bit then. A little over two weeks from now. Um, it's on Monday, December 18th. 18th. And um, we, gotta- we had a very hot lineup, including... Julio Torres, Julio Torres, Sam Morrill, Sam J, and, and Will, Will Miles. Um, um, all of them are are uh, comics heavy hitting, to watch, heavy right hitting now. comics to watch right now. And you know what? We may even have a um, a very special surprise comic. Um, we'll announce that a week before the show. If that depending on depending uh, just to his make sure her availability, if we can can. Firm that comic, but it's going to be. We a already big have one. some very special comics, as we just mentioned, uh, and uh, you can get your tickets now at maxandnicky.com slash vintage dash basement or, or horsetrade.info. Although, if you go to maxandnicky.com, it's a little bit easier little to bit direct easier you to, direct to exactly you to where you can actually purchase your tickets. Um, make sure to get them right now; they uh, will sell out. It's just you know. Based on the last, well, based on the other shows, it's you don't want to be stuck waiting outside in line, wishing you had seen this awesome show. It's true. The last show we had, it did sell out, and, and we had to we turn, had away, to turn away some people who a lot of people chose not just them. Wait, who chose to wait till the last minute and try to purchase tickets at the door when unfortunately we couldn't get everybody in there. Because listen you know, to your we mother, would love, we would love to pat. And we love packing the house, but we'd love to get everybody in there, but we but can't. We can't. We can only go so far. And, and, you know, you know we, we, there's, we have to abide by some sort of fire code. Anyway, um, 
so there's that. As we've been doing on the past uh, eight episodes, this is the ninth episode we're going to be doing this. We've been talking about Curb Enthusiasm. Right, there's the also episode. just one episode left in the season. There is. Um, and what did we think about this last episode of Curb Enthusiasm? Um, uh, remind me what happened. He met up with Rahm Emanuel, a.k.a. Lin-Manuel Miranda. Right, and uh, he's goes to him. Nikki's yawning. Uh, to talk we're about, doing this quite late right to now. To talk about uh, his musical Fatwa. Right, and the uh, agreement uh, that the um, Ayatollah, or I guess his... Council. His council... Says they can only do or one of the councils the, said the that musical can, fatwa if, if Lin Manuel Miranda, Miranda was involved, involved in it. But, so uh, Larry David Larry meets David. up with Lin Manuel Miranda uh, to discuss whether or not he was going to do the show, help him with the show. And but he doesn't want it. Miranda, you know, being involved in the creative side of things. He just right. wants him to act in it. Right. He's and and the episode kind of shows Lin-Manuel Miranda kind of usurping power, I guess, creative power in a way. Right. In a way, though, it kind of, in my eyes at least, it, it kind of pokes fun at Lin-Manuel Miranda's style almost, like almost as if he's trying to make Larry David's voice, I mean, I hate to say it, more cheesy, I guess, you know? It's, no, it's almost no, like. No, 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 no. That's, I don't think it's poking yeah, fun. Yeah, because he it. was like, he was like trying to add raps into it. And I was like, oh, that is like so clearly not what Larry David is all about. Right. Know? But I don't think he's poking fun at him. I think everyone played, I think he's, well, he is poking at, maybe he's poking fun at himself. You know, they all actually do it. Um, you know, when when Ricky Gervais was on the show, he was poking fun at being an actor, you know, and being, you know, uh, really into himself and, and arrogant. And um, so I think that's the point, you know, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda is trying to do is he's trying to be this sort of, this guy that the hype around him is really getting to his head in a way, sort of, you know. I actually thought, to be honest... You know, you might not expect this from me, but I thought he was actually kind of, like he played that part well in the in the episode, you know, and uh, it was kind of funny actually. Right, right, right. Um, you know, and um, but you know, uh, you know, at the by the way, spoiler alert, you know, if if you didn't get the picture, you know, I mean, for the next couple of minutes, but um, you know, I I did kind of guess that when Larry gets offered that painkiller medication that I knew it was so obvious he was going to fall asleep at at the show right right at well the that's end of the episode of course yeah, of course uh yeah you know Lynn Roller Manuel Miranda did a good job I think on that episode I think it's in, you know it's interesting to point out <laughs> Ted Danson was kind of funny too uh, yeah he's episode. trying to like, cuz at the uh, he's trying he to like get very Cheryl, subtly asks like ask Cheryl to, to uh try to get them Hamilton tickets but it's funny how that there's so much of a hype for Hamilton right now, I mean, and there has been for the past uh, couple years, it's just kind of like, uh, was there this much hype for Phantom of the Opera when it came out, or is there more hype for Hamilton right now because of the internet? You know, because... Yeah, no, I think there's more hype for Hamilton than ever any other musical before. There's... It, this has kind of reached a world... Well, maybe a worldwide audience, actually, 
that's not been happened for any musical before. Well, yeah, Phantom of the Opera plays all over the world. So does the Lion King. I know, but not this quick though. Like the fact that this this the idea that this theater thing, this thing from theater is act, it's purely from theater. You know, the Lion King is big around the world because okay. of the movie. You know, <sighs> and the Phantom of the Opera is big. It has grown to be huge over time, but this is, I think, uh, uh, something that hasn't been happening before ever. You know, know, obviously, I have my issues, but Nikki, we'll we'll save we'll save that for non-podcast talk. You know, but okay. Anyway, um, yeah, but the episode was pretty funny, I guess. Overall. were there any laugh at loud moments? Yeah, I wasn't know. like laughing out loud. Although, what's a big revelation during the episode? Just in case, spoiler alert again, uh, is that uh, Susie Esselman, Susie Green, has been cheating on no, Jeff. She, no, she hasn't. She was at the end of the episode. Oh well, because but maybe we're pro- no, maybe no, we're no, to no, assume no, that she has been too. No, that's not true. It's because she's really into the cowboy hat. And, you know, the the shucker, the oyster shucker played by Steven Weber had haven't the, seen him had, in a while and had anything. the had had from wings, by the way, had a, a cowboy hat and or, she was attracted to that. You know, that was the point is that also she was single really, white female. She couldn't. That's what it's called, right? He's in that. Yeah. He's also in the made for TV version of The Shining. That's right. Uh, no, but check it out, Nikki. No, but it also makes you think, oh, maybe she has been equally cheating on Jeff. I don't know. I think it or also makes Nikki, the point. Nikki, why, it also why makes, would, why would I, it? It's because I, I assumed that it was kind of like, oh, she can't help herself around somebody in a cowboy hat, like a guy in a cowboy hat. Maybe. Like that's, that was the point is that. Right, but maybe the point she is was, like she's so easily swayed to cheat, though, just like Jeff is, you know? Maybe. I don't know. And it kind of just shows, goes to show you that everyone in this series is kind of despicable in a way, you know? Well, yeah, I guess. Well, sort of, Cheryl, you know. I guess, I don't know. Cheryl. It's interesting. No, Cheryl's, Cheryl's kind of. It's interesting. Cheryl's a little selfish, too, you know? It's interesting. Cheryl's role in this show is really to play the straight woman, you know? She doesn't really play. A comedic character. Well, in but the sense she also, that she's not, she's not, she's not single-handedly creating laughs, but it's her interactions. She's she's really a kind of the straight person. She's a straight person, but she also has a, she's kind of, you know, acts like a bee kind of in a well, way. She's kind of has the antagon, antagonistic. She's character. always antagonistic towards Larry in a way. Even when she was with Larry, she has sort of that. They have that relationship, kind of, you know, and I think. It's kind of funny because she comes from an, an improv background, I think, right? Sure. Or and she's actually a comedic person, and she's completely the opposite. At least in interviews I've seen, she's completely opposite in real life. She's really kind of like happy-go-lucky and like very cheerful and stuff, you know. Um. Anyway, I guess that's enough about curb enthusiasm. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. That's enough, I suppose. Oh, JB Smooth is pretty funny in this, I guess. I mean. Do a whole lot in this episode, though. Anyway, uh, on to the main topic for today's episode: the Simpsons. The Simpsons. Um, you know why? Why are we doing this topic right now? Well, 
we've just been watching a lot of The Simpsons lately. From from For, specifically the mid nineties. No, early nineties. Early to, to early to mid nineties. Early to mid late even. Actually, no, I, I would say when it got to like ninety eight, that's really when it started. Not like you could show, you could see the trend toward what it is now, basically, which is not good. I mean, well, because they started making a... Like, like there was an episode that we watched okay. recently where Homer says, Ned, you're so crazy. Like, that kind of... Even though some of the episode was funny... A lot of the, the episode is funny. The, the, what are you the talking idea about? that Homer would say that... That episode's straight up funny, actually. They, I think that's even that, funny. I think that's funny that Homer says that, What actually. episode was it? Ned, you so crazy... Are you kidding me? Oh, Hurricane Nettie? Hurricane Nettie. That's episode's really funny. No, it is, but it's the, really, the idea really funny. That he would say, and you so crazy. That was a big thing to say in in the was late nineties. And it was like Was it? You so crazy? Yeah, it I was so. it was big. And But it, that's kind of funny that he says that. I don't know. It was the way he said it, it was almost like you could it, it foreshadowed the bad Simpsons that were to come. I think you know? what Nikki's trying like, to say is it was like this. I this kind of basically the Simpsons one. What we think is really funny is they weren't as topical, and they they referenced a lot of things from the past a lot more. Whereas, or, or if they referenced things that were current, it would be very absurd, like with the Twin Peaks thing. Right, it'd but, be very absurd. But with the but. Like sayings and certain topical things are very. It's the it's they're basically their only. It seems like their only source of comedy material now. currently on The Simpsons. And so for him or, to say or you stuff so, that's maybe a little bit um, acerbic, I think for him you to know? say you so crazy like that that he's just saying that, and it, we're expected to laugh at that and he, because it is a popular saying. Uh, or was a popular saying at the time, popular expression, and because Homer is saying that, it's supposed to be interpreted as funny. Well, it was funny, I thought, because he was actually kind of crazy. I feel like the just doing that, though, is kind of... You can see where the trend would would happen, you know? But basically, also, there's an episode, I think, where Marge says dope, but but I think it's funny because... The kids are like saying, "Mom." I think they're like getting annoyed with her saying that because it's not. I know cool. it's funny, but it's not the, it's not the kind of humor in The Simpsons that we cherish the most. No, I thought that was funny. No, Nikki, the, there's a lot of different types. Of, there's a lot of absurd stuff, but there's also some witty stuff too in The Simpsons. All right, well, let's, funny. let's now let's talk about what we what actually we, think is okay. I think so basically good the about years, the years, the years that David Merkin was the showrunner. I think are some of the best episodes of TV of all time. Actually, he when, had. What were those years? Uh, I think it's maybe seasons four through six or something like that, or maybe five through seven. But he really had a sensibility of being very absurd and and. And Even I, before that, though, by the way, like Al Jean and Mike Reese were showrunners, co-showrunners before that, uh, and Conan O'Brien was writing for the show at the time. Um, they, I think, they both returned, but in, in a not as funny era. But before that, they, it just seemed like those. No, years Al Jean are, is the current showrunner, for right? Instance. But when they were doing it, maybe years, you know, like ninety-one or not even ninety, maybe some moments in ninety, but ninety-one to ninety. Six are really funny because they just really seem to jam pack each episode, each second with a laugh. They were trying so hard to get 
a joke out of every possible thing in the story and it made it really absurd. Even just the animation, whatever, how they looked was just very comedic and more cartoony in a way. Right. There's think, an episode know? where um, uh, Bart sells his soul. That, that episode is really, really funny and there's a specific scene where there's so many jokes that happen in a matter of seconds where... Uh, you might miss out on a joke you because you're laughing Because over. like... Uh, there's there's one scene in that episode where Bart is like riding his bike and bad things keep happening to him and right, he falls so- off his bike and um, his bike uh, is in the middle of the street and there's a street and there's sweeper, a street sweeper coming. coming and uh, the street sweeper runs over the bike but and you think it's going to be think ruined. it's going to be ruined but the bike uh, stands up straight and it's just clean as a whistle clean and shiny and then and then Bart sits on the bike and it breaks and he falls down. And then, <laughs> and then the street sweeper starts laughing like with like a malicious maniacally, laugh, yeah. like like, like he, he did it on purpose. purpose. Yeah. And then to top it all off, he starts driving the street sweeper into like a subway uh, entrance, entrance on a, on accident. And then you hear it's so weird that there's even a subway. And then. You hear it like crash, fall into the subway. Entrance. It's just like there's so there's many, like things, so many that things that happen that are funny. It's like so ridiculous, you know. Um, and so that's truly how the writing was better because it was not just more absurd, but they were really trying to make a, every every second count, you know. Right. Um, and, and I, and I, think I that's important because it's a 22 minute episode. And they're trying to make me just laugh. More than one one writer, though, has claimed that Conan O'Brien did have a a significant amount of to do with causing that trend to happen toward toward absurdism. You know, in in that show. Who said that? uh, Just you know, the writers they would say like Conan would act out exactly like what he wanted out of the episode. You know, and we would all be cracking up in the in the pitches, you know? Right. But here's the thing. Uh, well, yeah, in the, actually, in the, in the writer meetings, there is know, a thing be, in, they, in the monorail he, episode where, um, uh, Leonard Nimoy is in that, right? Yeah. Uh, and they, Leonard Nimoy is in an episode we just watched. Right. Actually, but which is I think X files, but basically, um, or they teleport basically. And the, you know, Matt Groening at first had a credo of wanting to, keep things realistic in a way. And then Conan O'Brien thought he was pushing it a little bit by having them do it like a Star Trek teleport thing. And that was like breaking this kind of unwritten rule that to stay real in a way. And he thought that was an absurd thing to do. And I think that is why I think some of the writers think that Conan O'Brien is somewhat responsible for this change in a little bit, which is a good change. But by the way, it was starting to get really funny before that. Even even before Conan got on the show, uh, there's a good, very good episode. And by the way, the acting, I think, was even better back then, too. Uh, there's an episode where uh, Dustin Hoffman... Lisa Substitute. Lisa, Lisa Substitute is very good. Yardley Smith is a great actress in that episode. It's Dustin touching, Hoffman is really yeah. good, and it's very touching... Uh, and there's some funny stuff in that episode. It's not maybe the funniest episode, but it's very touching and sweet. Well, and that was not, another, that's not, another thing about <sighs> those episodes back then. Not only could they be very funny, but they could be more heartwarming. Actually, I felt like that, now, that's something now it's that like the this, Simpsons has lost now is is that sense of of um, of familiarity. Not 
in 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 familial something fam- familial yeah, actually something, about uh, Something uh, that resonates with family values, you know. I think, but uh, also just somebody univer- universal values. Somebody like wrote that. a comment recently, or I read a comment that you know Homer Simpson is it's almost lost- almost pretty much like Peter Griffin at this point, right? It's lost its comedy, and it's lost its it's lost its sense of like comedy and its sense of heart because Family actually. Guy is pretty much the Simpsons with without uh, the family values slash heartwarming, charming qualities you know right and there was something char- right charming there's something charming in those older episodes even bart sells his soul it's there's something heart something uh, he actually truly gets sad it, it, at one you point. get sad for and actually back in those episodes man nancy cartwright is a very good actress too or actor it's she's playing it's bart you know and and it's very sad whether or not you're religious or not or believe in a soul there is something sad about losing something that's a part of you, you know, and, uh, and you, you realize you don't, you miss it when it's gone basically. And, you know, it's, well, it's very also, too, you, know. you know, another episode that was, uh, I think in season three, right before Conan O'Brien, uh, joined the staff was, uh, the one that Michael Jackson, uh, guest voices on. That's good too. And it's a very, also great acting from Yardley Smith and, um, and Michael and Jackson. Michael Jackson is really good. It's a really funny, absurd idea. It's very idea. funny. It's very funny just idea this, that this guy who's crazy wants to be pre- he want he, he talks like this. His name is Leon. Leon, and he's everyone hated him, so he decided. So one day I started talk talking like, like this, this, and everybody started lock, liking me. And it's such a funny, absurd idea that Homer, for some reason is not like everyone else and he does not know who Michael Jackson looks like for some reason even Michael Jackson Michael is the most like. popular artist of all time and at that time too it was 91 or 92 it was 91 i believe yeah and for some reason homer doesn't know and it's just so funny that they have this weirdo that wants to be like michael jackson right and well first of all the the song that michael jackson wrote for the Episode, you know, Happy Birthday, Lisa. It's very catchy. I guess. By the way, Michael Jackson is not singing on that episode. Apparently, I guess they had to pay extra maybe to have him sing. No, that's not what happened. This is what happened. Michael Jackson didn't want to sing because he had this guy that sat with him at the table read that did a perfect impression of Michael Jackson singing. And I think Michael Jackson said he wanted to play a trick on his brothers, actually, to see if they can tell if it was him or not singing. Well, no, I think Michael Jackson brought that guy in. Yeah, no, he did. Yeah, yeah. Um, but because he thought, was, great... I think Michael Jackson got a kick out out of the guy that that he could do such a perfect impression. The guy's of him. name is like Kip something or another. I think he was in a band, actually. Anyway, uh, the song is very good in that episode. Uh, Happy birthday, Lisa. And it's sweet too, you know. Uh, you know, they write the song for Lisa. Um, uh, that's something that's, you know, that is something that it makes you care about the characters a little bit more. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, and you know, that was something that um, that's not. That's, 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 that's not true that's about actually, all. By the way, you, I just, let me just say, let me just before you go. Oh on, God, that's not necessarily needed for a television show by the way for to make good the Seinfeld is an example of where there's not really emotion emotional touching things at all actually, there's nothing at all like that but, but that's what makes the Simpsons great. you know different and, and good and that was actually that's that's James L. Brooks's uh, influence he always pushed there to be uh, a familial emotional core to to the show 
And he right. still apparently sits in on, on writers. Right, but sometimes. it seems that it's not like that anymore. Right. Um, in fact, well, you know, so The Simpsons was developed by not just Matt Groening, but uh, James L. Brooks and Sam Simon. And Sam Simon worked with James L. Brooks in the past on uh, Taxi. He At one point, Sam Simon was the showrunner for Taxi, actually. Well, by the way, Sam and, Simon left after, like, season two of The Simpsons. No, he didn't. He didn't leave after season two. He left after 1993, which oh. is probably after the fifth season. Well, anyway, he left. Um, wait, let me just say, he, he, also, had a clause he, that, also, he had a clause where he had to still remain executive producer, though, or something like that forever. Well, it wasn't him who created... It was like, I was reading up on this recently, okay. and apparently his lawyers negotiated a deal where even Sam Simon thought that he's like, this is so not fair to everybody else. But it was basically like... Sam Simon was to receive $10 million of revenue each year from The Simpsons, even though he wasn't a part of it after 1993 anymore. And he thought that he's like, to be honest, I'm getting away with murder here. You know, it's like he's, he just, he didn't have to do anything really. But um, Sam Simon actually, he was also, he, he was wrote for Cheers. He was the showrunner for I know, Cheers. I but I heard he was, he was he not was very, easy to get along with. He was with. not easy to get along with apparently, um, on any show, and at one point, his relationship with James L. Brooks, which started during Taxi, obviously, you know, boiled to a point during The Simpsons, and that's why Sam Simon left, or something like that. And um, but Sam Simon was not just there until season two; he was there till like probably season five or something like that, um, 1993. And um, I, I want to say that uh, actually, Sam Simon is the reason why. Kelsey Grammer was brought into voice Sideshow Bob. Oh, really? Yeah. What a great character. Because um, basically, uh, well, I can't remember the story, but Fra- uh, Kelsey Grammer tells the story in, in a couple of interviews where he's like, yeah, I knew Sam Simon from... Oh, this was the thing, was um, Kelsey Grammer would walk into the cheer set sometimes singing like show tunes. Oh, right. And, and um, you know, the idea of Sideshow Bob was that he... He he was the murderous. He was a murder murderer, but or he was a criminal, but also like had a fondness for has, like um, Gilbert and Sullivan and things like that. Right, he know? had a sort of a high art. He was this kind of uh, uh, this this. Uh, uh, well, I guess that's how a lot of actually scheming, like very smart murders are. Actually, they they might be very intelligent. Actually, well, too. anyway, anti social. It's kind of funny. Actually, The Simpsons seems to have an ongoing. Sort of not obsession, but but he could recite the whole HMS Pettiford. Is that what's? Can you let me finish the sentence? Jesus, he, the Simpsons, you know, writers at least back then, not anymore, but during the good years, they seem to have a propensity to write in references to Gilbert and Sullivan songs, and they would even sing them. You know, I mean, and it's. It's interesting because we were just talking about curb enthusiasm, but uh, the song Three Little Men. Da, 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 oh, that's, that's used actually a lot. used a lot in, in curb enthusiasm, that that music. Um, right. But, well, in fact, also there's an episode with Sideshow Bob on it where, you know, Bart's like, he's about to be killed by Sideshow Bob, and he's like, well, Don't I get a last request? And he's like, Okay. And he's like, Can you sing me the whole <laughs> the whole score to the HMS, the HMS Pinafore. Pinafore, is yeah. that how you say? And it's so funny, he goes through the whole thing. It's so, 
it's so ridiculous of an idea that he's going to sing the whole thing. And um, but by also, the way, the writers something about uh, the writers. Let me just finish my point. By the way, okay, I thought your point was done. It no, seems like it a very long I, point. My, my point, no, my point was that Kelsey Grammer was brought in, you know, by Sam. Sam Simon was like, oh, Kelsey, you you sang these songs. He's like, I think you would be good for this part. You know, okay. to play Sai Shabbat. I just wanted I think to, we get that point. No, I don't think it's you, very clear, yeah, actually. Anyway, but you know, Kelsey Grammer, really good in that role. Yeah. Right. There's more of a story behind how where, where he was inspired by for that character, actually. By the way, Frazier. Right. It and you it know, goes from his past, but whatever. We're not going to dwell on that. Something else about the writers back then, by the way, included in that list is John Schwartzfelder. Schwartzfelder, I'm pronouncing Schwartzfelder, it. yeah. Uh, John Vitti, John John Vitti, George Meyer, uh, Algin, Algin, Mike, Mike Reese, um, David Merkin, Mac Raining, even and you even uh, post David Merkin years, like a couple years, Mike Scully. Oh, also bit. in uh, uh, David S. Cohen, who became David X. Cohen, I think, when Actually, he started doing Futurama. Also, um, what's his name? Um, what's his name that? Went to Harvard as well, who was a co-creator of, of oh, King oh, of Hill, Michael. J, 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 well, uh, J. Cogan. That's Joe not Cogan. who I'm talking about. Oh. I'm talking about, uh, he created The Office, you know, Michael. Um, oh, Craig. Uh, no, not Craig. Craig Martin. No, no. Uh, uh, Jeff no. Martin, by the way, is a very funny oh, writer. Oh, Jeff Martin. His songs, here's another thing. The songs he wrote for the show were actually very uh, well thought out songs. They're very good melodic, but they're very funny too. Um, what's his name again that created the American Jeff Office? Martin Ride, by the way, wrote that's what I'm saying. Craig he used no, to be it's not Craig. Greg. 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 Greg Daniels. Greg Daniels. He, he used to be writing partners with Conan O'Brien back in the day, actually. Not right. necessarily. Well, the news. He, Greg Daniels wrote for Saturday Night Live um at the same time as Well they keep Conan O'Brien and, and Conan were brought in together. Even though Conan O'Brien wrote more closely with Robert Smigel. Um, at that time. And Bob Odenkirk was also right at the time, um, too. Uh, but anyway, okay. that's beside the point. Um, but Greg Daniels worked on The Simpsons a bit, and he was really... He had a he has a very funny original voice because he also went on to co-create King of the Hill, which is a very, very funny right. show Actually, in and of itself. And it was created... The, the skeleton was created by Mike Judge. For King of the Hill. A lot of it was created by him, but then Greg Daniels came up with so many different ideas that... Mike Judge was like, I, I got to list you as a co-creator because even like De- Del, Del Gribble be, being like a, a conspiracy theorist uh, and this kind of, you know, paranoid kind of guy, that was all Greg's idea. That The character of Del, like, the you know, the personality of him really came to life right, because of Greg right, Daniels. Right. Anyway, um, so, yeah, Jeff Martin actually, yeah, had a lot to do Jeff with... Jeff Martin, Greg, Greg Daniels, by the way, came in a little... He came in after Conan O'Brien. Jeff Martin had, and, a, had wrote a lot of the songs no, that you heard you're, during that Nikki, time. Nikki, but now people are getting confused because you're mentioning two different names. Greg Daniels came in a little after Conan, and Greg Daniels for some reason thought he missed the boat on the best years of The Simpsons. Even though I think Greg Daniels are in some of the funniest se- uh, seasons of all time, actually, um, they're both they both were. You know, I I think they're. T- David, I think Greg Daniels was there during David Merkin's era, actually. So David uh, Merkin, by the way, he had a by very the way, absurd. For those of had, you, you just interrupted me. David Merkin had a very absurd sense of humor. I think that you already mentioned that. I know, but, but he, for instance, he's he's wrote the episode Homer in Space, actually, and that was 
there was an, a part in the episode where Homer's face turns changes into like a different face actually, and it turns into a Popeye face, and then I think it also turns into um, Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon and. Mac Raining was really against that being in the show because he thought now we're really becoming not based in like in some reality. Even though it's a cartoon, he liked the idea of it being like a kind of a real thing. And David Merkin argued that he needed to be in the show. And it's a really funny thing. And I agree with David Merkin for it so, being in there. Um, that before we lead into this, because that leads us into the animation style. Um, well, well I, I oh, I just wanted I to mention say, something. So, just make okay. it make it clear. Jeff Martin was the one who wrote a lot of the songs during that even mid nineties, early, even including, including the Barbershop Quartet. You know, the one, Baby on Board, Baby and, on Board, or uh, and that's a catchy tune. You know, the Monorail song and Monorail, Monorail, which is a play on and actually, which is a, which is a play on um, you know, the Music Man, and also uh, um, uh, what is it called, St- Stel, uh what is, what uh, a streetcar named Marge? Uh, these music it, they is Marge is in a, a musical production of a streetcar named Desire, which is such a ridiculous thing. And they come up with these really. He's par, He basically parodies musical theater songs that are based Stella, on Stella. Stella, uh, what are right? you doing to me? No, Hell, it's no, it's something. It's, it's so funny the way he yeah, says it. Flanders is like Stella, Stella. You're putting me through hell, uh, Stella. It's so it's so dumb. It's really funny though. It's a really funny thing. But um, so yeah, it's clear. No, that I just wanted to say something about those writers back then. It seemed to me, and I'm not sure what the writers are like now in The Simpsons, what their relationship to the past is, but it seems like those writers had a strong ground, a strong foundation, and understanding of humor from throughout history, the history of comedy and, and the past actually. Right. And they, For example, they know about, they have a knowledge of things from the past and, and a lot of specific things that are very mundane things for a lot of people. But for comedy writers, it's like a must to know that kind of stuff. Just really trivial things. And I feel like that kind of stuff is not featured in the, in the Simpsons anymore. Um, Basically, no trivial for, stuff for, is, for example, makes things funny uh, in a way. the episode because where... Because it's all about nuance The episode where... Bart and Milhouse uh, start singing, you know, Springfield, Springfield, that's a wonderful town. Um, as a kid, you don't, you're not going to quite understand that. That's, first of all, a reference. They're playing on on, on the towns, New York, New York. I and, know, but that's a then, pretty but, popular but thing, But then the, the guy from the Navy coming in say, New York, New York, and they say, New York's that way, buddy. And But just the idea of that, that's... I, I'm just giving a, just a classic example of having to know that, that that's from the past, you know, that's not... I know, but I think, yeah, but that's a pretty well-known thing. I mean, On the Town's a no, pretty well-known musical. No, but also, there's just, there's just a, lot of, a lot of references, but also... Also, by the way, when they are singing that song, they had gotten squishies. Uh, slushy, slushies, squishy. No, isn't it called Squishy Maker in, in The Simpsons? Or I, I can't remember, but... And anyway... Uh, they kind of go on this high and they're, they start seeing these lights and stuff. And I think that's supposed to be parroting. Uh, I think they're parroting the lost weekend, uh, seeing these lights and stuff, because basically it seems like off these slushies or, or slurpees or whatever, um, they're getting like drunk off of it somehow. Um, anyway, 
that's another parody that I think you really need to know the past for. I mean, that it was one best picture back in the day, so it's not that much of a stretch to understand that. No, but. it's not. I mean, that's a film from the forties, and you know, most know, people are not going to know that. Um, most people, maybe at the time, though, would have known but, that. Uh, anyway, sure. no, that's not true. But even when they did, uh, when they did reference current pop culture, like the episode, and we were talking about this before, the absurd quality of their references. They when they referenced like Twin Peaks in an episode, they found a way to just make it just truly silly. You know, it's it's not like they were just uh, poking fun at it. They were actually just creating something else. So if you've if you've seen Twin Peaks, you know that a no, white horse that didn't and a, make any sense. What you just said. Okay, uh, I'm just the best way for me to explain what I'm talking about is giving an example. So. You know, obviously, if you've watched Twin Peaks, you know that a white horse and a giant have a lot to do with that TV show. Right, in the dreams. Uh, in, in, in the dreams. And um, so Homer is watching an episode of Twin Peaks in an episode, and uh, <laughs> he's watching it, and he's like, he's like, no, you're missing the point. Okay, he's watching the television show, and he's watching Twin Peaks, and... The, the giant and the horse are dancing with each in, other. That's, they show a shot of, of what's on the TV that Homer's watching. He said, and it's... Uh, and it's the, the giant is dancing with the horse, which is a really funny thing because that doesn't that happen happens. in Twin Peaks. And they're dancing like romantically together. I mean, that's such a really absurd thing. And as absurd as a, a weird thing as Twin Peaks already is, but in a non-funny way, this makes it this weird thing, very funny. And Homer and then says, Homer says <laughs> he brilliant. says, he says, brilliant. I don't get it. And which is kind of, kind of how everybody reacted to Twin Peaks at the time, you know, it, right. it, they thought it was brilliant, but they didn't quite understand it. Right. Right. Um, it's kind of, I mean, actually they, ref- they, they, they reference Twin Peaks a lot because even the who shot Mr. Burns. Right. Uh, <laughs> that was after Twin Peaks. It's so funny, yeah. actually, when you keep Chief, Chief Wiggum is like, falls asleep and Lisa is like talking backwards to him and well talking forwards but backwards and she's saying yeah it's really funny just watch the episode who shot Mr. Burns it's really funny um I remember when that episode came out it was really really a big episode because it was like that was it was parroting obviously everyone knows who shot JR you know which is another reference that uh, I mean I, I guess Adults would, get, would definitely adults, get that. You did not understand that when you were watched that originally. You I know, but have gotten that. The thing is, I was too young to understand mo- most of anything. Actually. No, but you you liked the Simpsons on some other level and level right. where, like, we used to have a Bart Simpson poster. Actually, you know, yeah, I'm sure um, a lot of kids, a lot of kids loved the Simpsons back then too. You know, but um, so who shot Mr. Burns? I remember that being such a big thing because it was the first time there's like a to be continued it was a to be continued thing for the simpsons actually you know right right well in any Where event it, was a cliffhanger. it actually was a cliffhanger at the end of the season and then it, the season premiere was the second part anyway so i guess we've Anyways, talked, so enough, we've about talked enough about the writing i, I mean, I mean though, even though the writing is so funny like just uh, you know the the idea of like homer is sitting on a bus next to marge and he's like scratching his legs he's like Marge, I can't feel my legs. And then Marge is like, no, honey, that's the guy in back of you. And it's this really tall guy whose legs are out in front of Homer <laughs> underneath the seat. I mean, just what a ridiculous idea, you know? Also, that guy appears in another episode in 22, 
stories about Springfield, turns to short stories about Springfield or something like that. And uh, he's seen driving this really tiny car. It's Time just out. a funny, absurd thing to see that even. Just this really tall guy in the smallest of cars, and he's saying that's the only car that he could afford. It's such a funny thing. But that's not just... That's not just the writing that speaks to just sort of the ideas. The writing and also is is seen in these little uh, little gags and, and little things like uh, when when you know when the Radioactive Man episode they're auditioning for a new Millhouse. Uh, no, I'm sorry, they're auditioning for a new Fallout Boy, and Millhouse gets it. Um, they're trying to look for you know the people from Hollywood are trying to look through Variety magazine to see where they can shoot their next uh, film, this next Radioactive Band film, and they're like going through you know, different states and it says uh, Hollywood film, and that's like one of the pictures in there, and then it says Utah film, and it has another big ad for a picture in there, and then you see another one, it's like it's Texas film, and then the director's like, oh, now that, now that's the place we need to go, and he ends up not pointing to the Texas film, he's pointing to a really small ad that says, Flim Springfield, not Film Springfield, but Flim Springfield, and he's like, "That's, it's just so funny that they, it, he thinks that's the best spot to do, and it's misspelled, it's a typo, and it, the ad isn't even big. It's just a funny little anyway." You know, um, but I don't know. You know, we've talked. You have enough to watch about it. The, it. I might not make. Be, I might not be that clear. We've right talked now, enough about the writing because people seem to argue lately that oh oh, the, or they were arguing for a little bit that oh, The Simpsons is funny again, but. One of the big reasons why I still don't think it's funny, even if you thought the writing was funny, if or you think it's funny now, the big reason is the animation is not the same, and the animation is never going to be the same as it was in the early to mid nineties. Um, actually, even even sort of the late nineties, um, and the animation because of computers actually, and the animation right. during those nineties episodes had a lot to do with why the show was funny. Because the way the care and we talked about this in our animation episode, we did a podcast episode on with animation. Richard Tumor, and um, the characters moved in a more flamboyant kind of way. They they flowed a lot better, and just they're they were a lot. They were actually quite uh, they they were actually quite animated in their movements. Yes, flamboyant in other words, and and the characters started. Even in, they were more best, expressive during, during their best years. Actually, they they were more expressive, and during their best years, they kind of looked really kook, uh, kooky. Actually, looked know? kooky, yeah. And 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 you could see that even in Chief Wiggum, for instance, as an example, they really tried to play up the fact that he looked like a pig in a way, and in his movements, even you know, this sort of blubbering idiot, you know. And I think obviously the whole point is, you know, he's like a like a cop, you know, and they're kind of references, you know, pigs or, or, you know, that's like a, oh, a slang term. Here's another them, example you know. though, by the way, uh, real quick is like, you know, there's an episode where, um, Chief Wiggum is, uh, in like this large beer mug thing. He's like dressed up and, uh, Barney, he's, he tells Barney, he's like, can you take this thing home? Even though Barney's clearly drunk and Barney's like, sure thing. And, he hits Chief Wiggum, and Chief Wiggum starts rolling down a hill in this costume, and he's like, he's like, oh God, oh Mother of Mercy, and just saying Mother of Mercy is a very, very kind of um, obscure reference 
that most people wouldn't get right. actually. That's but very, that's, that's yeah. like, you know, first of all, Chief Wiggum is supposed to be Hank Azaria's uh, sort well, of originally, originally he, was, he was supposed to be an impersonating Edward, Edward, Edward G. Robinson, Edward G. Robinson. and uh, Mother of Mercy is something that Edward G. Robinson says in the movie Little Caesar. Right. Um, Mother of Mercy is this in the end of Rico, and so only I feel like only true film buffs would actually understand that now. You right, know, right. and um, but it's funny that they even well, throw would, that. You in also kind of would have to understand where Hank Azaria was getting his impression from too. Actually, sure, yeah. Um, because you might not make that correlation otherwise. Because, you know, Edward Robinson kind of talk like this, she, Right. You know, and, and Chief Wiggum, Chief Wiggum, I mean, I can't do a Chief Wiggum, well, but no, he kind of Well, no, the original Chief like Wiggum ta- sounded more like Edward G. Robinson. He was like, this bird's going to fly, she. That, that's how he kind of talked to me in the beginning, you know. Uh, and his voice kind of changed. Much like Homer's voice changed from season one to season two. Or, yeah, or you used to be like this, It's interesting, Marge. though, like the animation in conjunction with the writing, I mean, like the, the B sharps episode where they're all sitting in the sound booth and just the way they pose is, is referencing that famous Beatles photograph, you know? Um, well, no, they were, they stud. It's not just the photograph. They actually studied hard. The let it be documentary, uh, and, and the outtakes from that, uh, just the film. The film actually, they studied all of it and how they were sitting in the room when they were recording. And but just the look of oh, it might have been a photo. The, the actually, way, the still, way they were the way they're at. looking, the the way the animation looks in that particular shot in The Simpsons, it like it really kind of pastiches that that or parodies actually the. Well, well, it pastiche, actually pastiche in, pastiches in the look. Actually. It pastiches that look from the from the Let It Be documentary, you know. Um, like, but I feel like the animation today in The Simpsons it wouldn't capture that as well, you know. Well, they it just seems like they're actually kind of limited. Um, I, I think when you when you streamline things too much, you know, it you lose quality, obviously, and that's, that's what happens with when you transition to purely computer, you know, computer animation, you know? Well, I think they do draw it. They do draw it still, but at at a certain level, but... It looks... The Simpsons now, it looks... too pristine. It looks CGI almost. It's like an... It's like a 2D CGI. I don't like that. I like the old... We already talked about this, went over in this great length in, in our animation episode. So take a listen to that, if you will. But we prefer stuff that is hand drawn and... And looks looked, and and looks like it was hand drawn because there is something funny uh, in the imperfections. Actually, well, it's not just it's not just that. It's just there's something more real about that to me, and I like the idea that some like hands made this. There's something uh, that I can see that that happened. Uh, it's more impressive somehow to me to see that. I guess, um, uh, and it, it seems more unique. Like the like that person who drew that put their stamp of approval on, their seal of approval on that somehow, or that they, you can tell that their hand made that drawing. Whereas now it just, it all, all these cartoons that come out now just all seem very, very similar in that sense. And it doesn't seem like that they're all very unique to me, you know? Um, but a lot of flash so, animation is dying, do, done now, by the way. I'm not into that. So, I mean, but going into more detail about the, the animation and what made that, 
what made what how the animation made the show funnier in the '90s was, you know, it, it did have this flowy kind of way of for the characters are moving, but um, it yeah, it was just they actually looked sillier. the 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 tone the 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 tone of the humor was absurd and and silly, and the uh, the animation perfectly reflected that. reflected that. I mean, and David Silverstein. No, or Silverman, Silverman. Silverman, sorry. David Silverman was the animation director during those good years. And well, he wasn't just the animation director. He directed the episodes right. straight up. And he really, really did a great job he with it. He did a great, you know? great job. He had a good voice. You know, a perfect example is um, the Flame and Moe's episode when at the end of the episode, Homer is like on the, like, what do you the call rafters. it? The rafters. And he's got this shirt over his head or he's got a mop over his head or something like that and he looks really you know like he's going crazy you know and just the there's something about the animation that really kind of emphasizes that look and right. it makes it look a lot funnier it makes homer look funny actually right um you know and that's something you wouldn't get today actually right and i've said it before on, on the animation episode but even the the very subtle, it's all the devil or not the devil. The uh, God is in the details, and is the expression. And uh, well, it's also devil is in the details is another expression. But in this reference, God is in the details. In that, uh, and another example is well, just nuance is really important, and that's an important thing for making humor. Uh, I think to bring out humor in a better way because. Uh, in real life, we have nuance. And that is another thing about the hand-drawn thing is there's more nuance, actually, because everything is very... It's, it's not going to be exactly the same as the last image. And I think it's more relatable to real life in that sense, which is, uh, you know, which is funny. You know, if you look at real life and it's placed on, on a picture or in a drawing, that's funny, I guess. You know, when we do comedy and things like that... Uh, when people talk about, you know, like observational comedy is very funny because they're trying to reference things from our everyday lives and that's funny to us that we may not have noticed and it's all in the nuance and when we can draw that kind of stuff, uh, it's actually, it's right before our eyes and I think that's, it's reflecting us somehow and I think that's a funny thing, you know, uh, to be able to see uh, the the details from our everyday lives, even though it's a cartoon but there's, uh Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is nuance is very funny, um, and uh, an example of this is uh, there's an episode where Mr. Burns is drinking uh, some tea from a teacup, and the way he places the teacup back down on the saucer, he does it in such a fashion that's very flowy, but then he kind of hits the saucer a little hard, and the saucer kind of moves, and then... Uh, a drop of tea falls out of the saucer, uh, out of the teacup onto the saucer and splashes a little bit. And it's just that little detail was very funny to me. Just this, this it's the kind idea- of detail you wouldn't see in the Simpsons. You anymore. would not see that anymore. And it, there's something animated about that, but the attention to detail uh, is funny. I guess it's something about pastiche, well, I guess, also, you know, there's something you know, about, there's some, you know, it, even because the, life is full of details, you know? I mean... But the episode where, um, you know, there's like a private investigator trying to talk to Sideshow Bob to try to figure out what his MO is, you know, and he's like, 
he's in a bar with Sideshow Bob. He's like, he's like, come on, Bob, tell me. He's like, and he's like, no. And he's like, oh, come on, I'll be your friend. And he's like, no. And he's like, oh. And he's like, please. And anyway, just the way that character, he's, he's, this guy is supposed to be like a hard, you know, private eye kind of guy. Hard boiled private eye. Private eye. But then in that bar scene, just the way he his, crumbles, yeah. He, the way he crumbles is so hilarious. It, it. There's no way to describe it, it, it except that you have to just look at the way he actually moves in that scene where he crumbles is so funny. You know, it's just right. his movements are really funny. You know. Um, and, anyway, I mean, do you have any last words about animation? Because there's one yeah, more thing I want to talk wanna, about. I know we're I'm nitpicking here, but that's the point of this splitting hairs. Uh, why is it that details are funny? I guess because you're bringing to life before us, you're exhibiting before us the small little things in life that make life funny in a way, right? Or that, make, also, that make life real. And there's something funny in seeing that. That's what why, why pastiche is funny to me, I guess, because um, basically it's somebody else was able to capture something that I might not have captured, I not, might not have thought of unless they just showed it before me. And I guess that's, why is that funny to me? Do you, why do you think that's funny? I think it's it's funny because, and Stella does that a lot. It, I think Reggie Watts, Reggie Watts is thing, really good. Know? This postmodernity, I, I relate to that a lot because, and why is that funny often? Well, I, I think guess, it's funny for us because we grew up on pop culture or, or no, television no, and, not just and, that. and I, movies. But even just everyday things that uh, I think it's funny because um, it's funny because it's it's something you've seen before. There's just something funny about having somebody well, having, Isn't that what Tim some, and Eric is all about? Yeah, really? somebody having captured something that we've seen before and utilizing it in in their fashion, I guess there's just something. No, it's not even that. It's 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 also just doing something that's you've seen before, and you don't even know what. Sometimes they're they're pastiching, but they are. Do, it, it's familiar to you, and that that's why it's funny because it's it's something from your past that is kind of like it it it, it kind of shines sheds light on something from your past. That, I guess it's that, be- can you let, yeah. let me finish? It sheds light on something from your past that you didn't think was ridiculous or kind of absurd or kind of stupid at the time when when the original thing came out. But when this pastiche comes out or this postmodern thing comes out, like a Tim and Eric thing, and it kinda it kind of sheds light on how ridiculous that thing was. Yeah, but you that's know? not even though that even though and I'm tr- I'm really kind of breaking down what like this postmodern or yeah, but it's not just modern that. quality it's or the not pastiche quality that. is doing because you don't actually think about that while you're watching the pastiche. Right, but, but you you can we can think about it, we can analyze why it was funny afterwards. Yeah, but it's not just that. It's not just that it could be something else that may not be may not have been funny too back or it may not be a thing that uh was you now think is ridiculous. I think uh I think part of it is also um something in pastiche that could be funny is that it's it's unexpected to to see something that is from the past or that is from your everyday life being represented it, it i guess it's just unexpected to see something that is familiar to you portrayed before your eyes you know what i mean there's something right. funny about that even uh, uh and i think maybe it's just 
it strikes something in your memory, I guess, that it, it, there's some stimulation there. I think that's why it makes you, makes you think it's funny, I guess, because it's like, whoa, I, that's funny that they're doing something that I remember. And, and it's I also wouldn't, something I you, wouldn't have remembered you probably it unless haven't they, even thought right, about I it. I wouldn't have thought about that unless they just did that, and they just did. And that's funny to me that they, they're doing this thing, right. you know? Stella does that and a lot. And they're doing it exactly in the way that somebody was doing it that that stuff Stella Michael the, Liam the, Bla- com, the comedy group Stella yeah Michael Liam Black's very good at doing these characters sometimes that are like I know what he's doing like this character is, is someone I know I've seen in real life and it is kind of I guess part but, of what Nikki you're saying is right is like you don't think how ridiculous that person is until you see him do that it, kind but of person but the thing is right. like you don't even when you're watching the comedian or animation you know, pastiche this thing, we're not actually thinking about why it's funny. And this is why I appreciate this kind of humor the most is that it's just funny because something inside of you thinks it's funny. It's a, it's a innate reaction. It's immediate response to, to this stimulus, you know, well, and that's what I'm or saying. Stimuli, it's, and it's, 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 it's a, it's something, it's more guttural. Your laughter is going to be more guttural. Probably well, it's not, it's, it's visceral and it's also, it is stimulating something in your brain that is, it doesn't have to think about. That, that's what's c- cool about it. It's, I think instead of intellectual humor or something that's clever. Sweaty. Yeah, and that's why it's not making you have to think why it's funny. It's stimu- stimulating some memory in your brain, actually. You know what I mean? Right. That untapped memory in your brain. And I think that's what triggers the humor in it i guess right. you know it's some, and there's also a nostalgia weird. quality to it too that that's right nice to to be associated with it but you know it's that's why i, I don't really care for clever or witty humor as much you know because that's always i i don't want to have to try to think about why something's funny i don't want to have to work for a laugh you know um i just want to laugh you know and the best way to laugh for me is by watching something silly, ridiculous, stupid, or absurd, you know, because that kind of stuff is going to be for, you know, I mean, in, in some ways pastiching or kind of having a postmodern play on, on something um, that you've seen before. And, but you don't actually have to think about what it is actually playing on. Um, Right. Right. I guess also like Stella and Tim and Eric obviously are doing things in a funny way, so they are pastiching things in, and they are kind of, you know, it's, it is done in a funny way for sure. I mean, sure, it, so. in, in that sense, it becomes a little bit more of a parody. Well, um, no, but sometimes it's, it is pastiche, but it, it's maybe there's a slight, I, the fact that it's brought into, uh, into a certain context makes it funny, I guess. But I know? will say parody can be very, very funny too. And sure. In and Living Color, we do that. Does that Oh, and Living Color would do that a lot. I mean, the Def perfect comedy example jam. would be the their parody of the Deaf Comedy Jam. Uh, they they did a sketch parodying the Deaf Comedy Jam, and it's really funny because it, I guess, parody exaggerates the qualities of something that already seems ridiculous. You know, right? And, and also, actually, and, The Simpsons also parodies Deaf Comedy Jam too. It's right, really funny. and I mean, because what parodying does is kind of makes you realize. Oh, that does exist in that world, but it also heightens. It's like, oh my, this is so ridiculous. It it makes you realize how funny it is that that thing exists, but then 
adds an extra layer to it where you're like, this is so ridiculous that this thing exists, but also it's funny that you're doing this because that doesn't exist in that world, you know? Right. Um, if that makes sense to, to the listeners. Um, I know we're getting a little heady with this conversation, but, but that's the point. That's the anyway, point. Um, let's just... And comment on why you draw, think the drawback... De- there's also just something more appreciated, by the way, uh, just in the details of, of, right. of, so of animation. The, the point but is I think we, 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 we already delved into this a lot in the animation the, episode. The, the, the details of the animation and, and the subtleties, a lot more care put into it, and just even like the, the smiles. Like there's an episode where Homer is in the background. You know, it's, it's the episode where Lisa becomes friends with like some, well, not bad kids, but they're like, Surf, cool kids. Cool kids. She becomes they're, the cool kid a, during the fourth, summer, and it's a fourth, fourth not of July really, episode. Yeah. And they're playing a board game, and um, Milhouse, Milhouse is draws with them, a by card, the way. and you can see Homer. Homer's in the background, and his smile. But no, you didn't explain the card on the picture. On the card is a a picture of somebody that looks very similar to Milhouse. Yeah, and in the in the background, you can see Homer's. La- a smile just gradually, gradually forming in a very subtle kind of way and then finally he bursts out of laughter in laughter saying ah, it looks like you Poindexter and first of all it comes in Poindexter which is really funny um, but it's just that kind of you know attention to detail that's funny you know and it's, it's it, but it's the way that it's done too right and know? something else on the writing is uh, I think it's very important is that they choose it's also not just the ideas that are funny. It's also the the word, the diction actually is funny. So the word choice they use, Nikki just said poindexter is a funny word. They seem to try to use language that was funnier too. Like the, the specific words that are trigger words that are funny. And something I think I learned from my older brother uh, too is that uh, it, it's not, it's how you're saying it that's true. It's what is it's what's being said is funny, but also the specific word choice in saying it. Like, you, actually, a perfect example is actually on an episode of Seinfeld. Is you know they they all think Jerry's funny and that he can't help not being funny, and he says the word. He's like, oh, I think I'm gonna puke, and George is like, See, puke. That's just a funny word right there, and it's true. Puke is a funny word as opposed to saying throw up or. I mean, barf is kind of funny, but hurl is funnier than than barf. You sure, know, and, but and puke is. But it's just there's it's they seem to care more about that too, you and know? or they did seem to care more about that right. in those episodes of The Simpsons. Now, I think um, nowadays it seems like they're trying to be very current, current. and trying to re- reference current pop culture all and the that, time. That actually, you know. It, it kind of brings to mind a time where we were still watching The Simpsons pretty re- regularly, but. I this is when it started turning for the worse. Um, was when InSync made guest starred on an episode of The Simpsons, and that was when The Simpsons you could see, almost see how The Simpsons started caring more about trying to be relevant, rele- be relevant or or current. And when a celebrity would come on to the episode, it, it would be like they would care more about that celebrity that that hip celebrity at the time rather than that celebrity doing an impression or doing a voice on the show and you not knowing like who the celebrity was or something like that. Right, right, right. Like Michael Jackson, when he's on the episode, granted they changed the rules. So when he's on the episode, you, 
in the credits, it doesn't actually say his name. Because same with, he with, Dustin, told, he, same with Dustin Hoffman, They both the asked to not have their names in the credits. And so you don't actually know if it's them or not. Right. But after, after Michael Jackson, Matt Groening, or somebody made a point where, like, if somebody wanted to guest voice on the show, they had to use their real name in the credits. But that's beside the point. You know, Phil Hartman guest starred a lot, and it... Yeah, but he wasn't he a would, huge celebrity. But man. or yeah, yeah, he I was know. like he had he did characters on that show. Or like you know? Albert Brooks, you know he, you know, he did voices. I mean, I guess he wasn't current, I guess. But uh, I mean, his voice, ep- oh, God, he's so funny in that episode we just watched. You know, yeah, no, he's a very funny actor um, too. He also plays he plays Hank Scorpio, by the way, which is right. one of the funniest characters on that show. But you uh, know, it's just. Um, I guess, yeah, just The Simpsons became more about trying to be hip and and cool, maybe because they were losing their edge somehow, and they thought... Well, it's tough. I don't, you know, I don't don't necessarily blame them too hard. It's like, they should have just not continued the show after, like, a certain amount of years. I mean, it's hard to stay... I can understand maybe the writers wanted to go in a different direction. It's like... They've been on for like 26, 27 years. It's just... 28 years. How do they st- stay funny all those years? I mean, I can imagine like them running out of ideas on how to be funny. You know what I mean? So I can see them wanting to change directions, which is why I just don't know if the show should be on anymore. Like they think they should have just... It's like J- Jerry Seinfeld said he wanted to end while he was already ahead. You know, he didn't want to end when it was like not a funny thing anymore. You right, know? exactly. And so... Yeah, that's a good point. Is maybe like, maybe in their attempt to feel fresh, not just to the viewers, but as as creators, they decided to go in a different direction with the Simpsons and make it instead less of, of a, just ending the because Simpsons. because it's it's not as uh, absurd of a show as it used to be, um, and it's not it's just not as funny. And but maybe they wanted to feel more fresh, and that's why. It went in a different direction, but in subsequently they they lost the quality, right? You know, and you know, there's a way to do it. You don't have to be absurd to be funny, too. By the way, King of the Hill is not a very absurd show. Um, well, it is. It it's not absurd, but it's well, it is. It can be absurd, uh, but it's it can be, but it's much more real. And it's I think just more. I think what's funny about that show, and what this is what Mike Judge is very good at, is he's very good at. Again, it's pastiche. He's very good at picking very specific types of people and and portraying them and for people in, in a funny way. And I think part of it is actually just exhibiting that those type, character types in front of people. And that's you know the fact that he has it's just showing the nuance in all those kinds of characters. And I think it's all in the nuance. Again, he's very good at showing that and also picking specific types of people, you know, with Beavis and Butthead, he, he focused on these, like, you know, these teenagers, this teenage subculture, you know, at the time, you know, the MTV culture. And then with King of the Hill, it's a specific, you know, Texas conservative, kind conservative, of. you know, uh, you know, middle America, middle, uh, middle class kind of, uh, moral, you know, almost, almost this kind of nuclear family kind of thing, more nuclear family kind of values in the modern era that still exists in, in the U S today and trying to, and that kind of family trying to, uh, 
uh, cope with the changing cope world. with the changing world and, the, and a progressive ever pro- progressing world, you know. But it, anyway, uh, and and it's and he does a very good job I, at. The, I will say, King of the Hill showing remained the funny throughout its entire run. Yeah, I think King of the Hill is a very it, good it show. It was on for uh, when did that show premiere? Uh, 97, 96. Yeah. Are you sure it's 96 or not? I'm, I'm pretty darn sure it's 96. I think it might have been 97. I'll bet you $5 is 96, actually. I, I think I looked this up recently. It was 97. I bet you it's 96. I and, bet you 96. And uh, well, whatever it was, um, I think King of the Hill was on for maybe 11 seasons, right? Which is a perfect amount for an animated TV series. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it started in 97. Yeah, I knew it. I think he was right. Um, no, and more it ran, than 11 it seasons, ran into to 2010, actually, yeah. which is, you know, okay, 13 years, that's not bad, you know? Uh, and it was funny the whole time through. Um, See, and, there was a I way... I feel like the, the, the King of the Hill, I think they felt, I mean, whether or not it was canceled or not by Fox, or if, I'm not quite sure, but I'm not sure if Mike Judge wanted to end it or not, but it did feel like, oh, that might have been the right time to end the show, you know? Because well, it was still event, funny yeah, when it in ended. In any event, it never got super absurd, though. I, I would say The Simpsons got more more absurd for sure, um, and especially with its references and stuff like that. Um, but King of the Hill found a way. So there is a way that they could have changed directions on The Simpsons and remained fresh for themselves creatively, and and still not try to. Pan- it seems like they're trying to pander now. You know right. what I mean? To especially that. Ep- I mean, a good to a exa- younger market, right? And actually. a good example of that is when they when they uh, did the beginning sequence and they did TikTok, you know, by Kesha, and they had that as the song for the beginning. What The Simpsons? Yeah. Oh, and that it was sounds like, horrible. It's just, just like, oh man, no, this is really right. They're bad, really trying you know? to pander to. Uh, the millennial generation or even not the millennial generation actually even well yeah millennial even younger than that though in my opinion yeah well uh, well i guess everyone's millennials now even in the aughts in the 2000s you know it was like they were still pandering to trying to pander to a younger generation when when during the good years, it didn't seem that they were trying to do that they weren't trying to pander anyone they were trying to do what they thought was funny Yeah, they were trying to do what they thought was funny and you know, always go with your gut. Whatever you think is funny, and maybe they think it's funny. I don't know, but with you, but then again, people all, get older and they change ideas of what they think. Only is funny. we can. I know it's true. I mean, even Conan O'Brien, like you know, he's still funny, but he was definitely. By the way, I, think, a, I still think Conan O'Brien's the best talk show host. Right he is, now on but television. he definitely was at his peak in like as a talk show host in 1998. I mean, that's when he was true. His show was truly, truly funny. It was really. Absurd and ridiculous. It's still very funny. It's his, still very funny, by the way. But, but you know, there are things that he goes goes through in his life. You know, he went through depression. He well, went through. Anyway, but let that. That's not that he relevant. He has a family now. It's not relevant you know, so to your taste. Change. It's not relevant yeah. to the Simpsons. Um. Anyway, the Simpsons. What else about the uh, the direction we talked about? I think about? that's that's about it. No. Yeah. Well, I just want to make the direction part of it is also. In Rapid in the animation, show. we talked about David Silverman being part of it. By the way, Bad Brad Bird was part of that animation team, or you know, for a little bit, who became a big figure in Pixar. 
And you could see that in Pixar films, and that's why they're so successful is I think they pay a, a lot of attention to detail, actually, all the time. And they're very strict about that kind of a thing. Well, that's why they don't have very many movies coming out every year. Right. Actually, it was only recently that they had two movies come out in one year. Right. Um, and that, that had never happened before. Right. Know? And it, But it goes to show you why they're, they're it's success, a very successful company, because they, they, really, they really try hard to pay attention to detail, you know? Um, so... Anyway, the final word... Well, hold on. Was there anything else? We talked about the... By the way, just hold on. Now, the voices, by the way, are really funny, too. Uh, we, we forgot to mention about that a little bit. Talk uh, about that. Yeah, so... Mention about that? Yeah. Talk um, about, talk about that. We talked about it a little bit with Chief Wiggum and Sideshow Bob, but part of the thing that makes these characters really funny is their voices. Um, is they're all very, you know... They're not normal sounding voices. They're very silly sounding things, you know. I mean, and they're very talented. It, it seems uh, that's something that, well, not all cartoons now strive for like cartoonic, car- cartoon sounding voices, you know. And these are like real voice actors that you can't find, you know. It's, right. You see it a lot of like movies today. You seem anybody like a lot of, could be right, a voice it seems actor. Seems like cartoon movies now, or a lot of just. There's not that many cartoon movies, I should say, but a lot of cartoons or a lot of. Um, well, that's not true, actually. Maybe a Nickelodeon Cartoon Network, but um, definitely a lot of animated movies, especially with the 3D animation, they use voices of regular actors. Well, which is not a bad thing, but it's not a it bad thing. That's what you're trying good. to go for, but with a, uh, There's something I think to be if said you're trying for, to make something funnier, it's funnier to have funny voices. Um, right, right, right. And and, and the thing is, the, the sounds that they would make back in those days, di- I mean, all these characters were, I guess, were invented during... I don't know what the point I'm trying to make with this is, but uh, I think even on The Simpsons, you know, some of the voices that are, are voiced now, like on on the, you know, some of the, maybe the new characters are, are more regular voices, I think, I feel like. Like... Maybe I'm wrong about that. Uh, but anyway, the voices were so funny, but even the sound, as you said, the sound effects, like uh, on the Tax Day episode where Ken Brockton's like, I had my taxes done by my, my accountant, uh, months ago, and then he sees his accountant there. He's like, I can't remember the he's accountant's like, name. He's like Marvin. He's like, oh, like uh, oh, uh, uh, like the noise that he makes. Oh, like you wouldn't hear that kind right. of noise I, in the Simpsons and anymore. I think that you know? that kind of noise uh, is something from like old. It it you, if you know it, it's another pastiche thing. It sounds like something from the Three Stooges or something like that. You know. Um, you know these these noises you know that you know they would make but uh anyway yeah i guess that's uh the voice yeah, i mean did you, you want to touch, touch on the that, that hair uh, i don't do we want to talk Hari, about is this hari kondabalu I, I do want to make one point about it actually so, so hari kondabalu just recently released a uh, released a documentary called the problem with apu um and he kind of it, it's a doc a whole documentary basically about um about Apu being the only representation of uh, an Indian guy on The Simpsons and um, it being voiced by a non-Indian actor. And in the media when it came out. uh, My problem with the problem with Apu is that... um, my, My main problem about it is that, first of all, one, he was not the only representation of 
of an Indian or Indian American in the media um, at the time that Apu was created. So he got, got that wrong right off the bat. But second of all, I don't like the idea of anybody being social justice where when it comes to comedy, I mean, you can like or dislike, you're, you're right, you're allowed to dislike or like anything you want in comedy, but I think it's a waste of energy to, first of all, make a whole uh, documentary about something that that dissatisfies you, because when it comes down to it, Apu or uh, and any kind of comedy any popular kind of comedy is popular for a reason because people think it's funny, you know? And it's not that... And I understand that there's uh, there's something to do with the racist elements about that, that that's why he made the documentary. But in my opinion, comedy is the one place where nothing, nothing's off-limits off limit. off in comedy, you know? Well, it's off-limits you... once people have an outcry against it. You know, right. once there's an outcry against it. But I feel like there was never an outcry about this before. And, and maybe I can't see it this way because I'm not Indian, but because it has to do with the voice of somebody, I think, you know, it's, it's, first of all, he also, he's kind of racist in the documentary because he calls Hank Azaria a white guy. And that's kind of only half true. You know, I mean, Hank Azaria's parents are Spanish, you know, Sephardic Jews, you know, I mean, who, are from Greece, you know, and actually the language that they spoke right. growing up where I it mean, was not English, you know, it was not casuate if you, if you, I mean, if you're following that old classification of race. But anyway, the point is that he's kind of generalizing who Hank Azaria is, right. which is kind of racist in and of itself. But um, I do think that because comedy is a place where if it's funny, it's funny, even if it's slightly racist, if it's funny, it should be okay because when it comes down to it, that's what comedy is. Comedy is not meant to be taken seriously. Well, it's it's not supposed to be taken seriously. And if because even though Apu's accent is not on the nose an Indian accent, as we said before, it's actually not. It's 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 not really doesn't really sound like an Indian accent. It just it's a funny voice, a funny like, sounding voice, like all the other voices in The Simpsons. Right. I mean, even groundskeeper Willie, who's you know, a very exaggerated version of a Scottish accent. It doesn't really sound, I mean, it kind of does, but it kind of really isn't. It's, it might be offensive to some socialist justice warrior who's Scottish. Um, it's a funny caricature and his voice is funny and it's, you know, it's just a funny voice, you know I mean? Right. If something is funny and it's not making a point about being, um, controversial or it's not making a point to be uh, hateful toward anybody then I think that's okay you know um, you know I speak as and I haven't seen I've seen only clips of the documentary I haven't seen the whole thing but um, I think I do have a problem with the idea of just creating a whole movie about this kind of thing is that I think just having uh, yes. social these social justice warriors, you know, kind of attack comedy in general is a bad thing, and it's a bad thing for comedy um, because comedy is the one place where we can escape from these kind of problems of the world, and we can sit back and not take things seriously. You know, right? I mean, with that said, though, there are things you know we progress as a society, and certain things that were funny in the past 
aren't necessarily funny to us now. An example is, you know, an Ace Ventura pet detective, you know, this kind of thing wouldn't happen now, but, like, I guess it can be taken as a funny in a different kind of a way now, but, uh, you know, when when all those guys find out that they were all fantasizing about a man, actually, you know, it was a woman, but they didn't realize it was actually a man, they all kind of start throwing up or something, and they all think it's like Jim Carrey like has to go take a shower or something like that to wash what is the taint that he feels off or something. But that would be just considered kind of offensive now or also well, just kind okay. of old way thinking That's in a way. The, I, I have a problem with what you're saying now because in a way it is kind of funny in a ridiculous... I'm, let me it, finish what I was going to say. Okay. God, this is why you're interrupting me. I'm saying that w- could be perceived like that now Um and it's also like if this that was made now, that joke probably wouldn't be made because, you know, I think we're people more would accept- be worried. People are more. Ex- well, it's not just that. It's this. It's just that people are much more accepting now of any type of sexual orientation, you know. And so that wouldn't be something that it might not even be in their their thought process now of, of being funny, you know. But it could be thought of as being funny now because it is such a ridiculous thing. Uh, whereas back then it might have been thought of no. as funny in a different way, but now it's funny. No, I think it could be thought of Let as th- funny in the same kind of way as it was back then in that I think the point back then too was that it's ridiculous and absurd of how much of an overreaction these guys have at finding out that piece of information, you know, and right, it's funny right. in this in that same exact way now. I think it's funny actually. I, but I kind of think that, I mean, come on, let's get real based on like especially in the 90s how no, how faux progressive things were no, in a way no i know, know but that's not that's not again that's my point is that comedy is not meant to be taken seriously i mean i it know but what i'm saying at least i'm you're not understanding sh- what i'm saying comedy, is there are certain it, things that okay for instance minstrel shows back in the day if you really want to get into it there is a comedic aspect to those. We sure. wouldn't ever do those anymore. Okay, you know what I mean? But you're right. We, we progress. What I'm trying to say is I don't think it's necessary. Well, you don't necessarily need to be a social justice warrior when it comes to comedy because it will naturally evolve, I think, based on what people think about it. You know, I think people would just be like, this isn't funny anymore. Right. Also, and it'll just naturally, it'll naturally evolve, right. I think. I, also, Apu and, is... It, is a funny character, first of all, but I think it's a little too late to be making this documentary because it's like making a documentary about uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's, where the one the problem with uh, uh, Mickey Rooney's character, who's blatantly it's blatantly a racist portrayal of a Chinese person, right. of a white guy playing a Chinese person, and this is an actual person acting as a Chinese, an actual white guy acting as a Chinese guy in that movie. It's like making a documentary about that because, um, first of all, it's, I mean, it is a small character in the movie, but it happened in the past and it's the, you know, Apu was created uh, back in the late 80s, maybe early 90s, and it wasn't, we didn't think about that kind of thing now, but as as you yes, said, as you said, as we progress, we we learn to do things differently. And so, I think if you have an actual Indian character on TV, 
you're, we're not going to fire Hank Azaria or anything because it's still a funny character, but we might consider hiring an Indian American or an Indian person to voice that character now if, if that show were to be created now. Or alternatively, I actually think personally that if you can do a, a, a funny voice, no matter who it is, no matter what your race, go for it. Even no matter what kind of character you're portraying. Because I, and I, I definitely think it's important to create diversity in in any kind of workplace, especially in entertainment, where it lacks um, significantly, especially, especially on the part of Asian Americans. Um, and it's very important. But I think ultimately, if somebody does a funny voice, and if they're doing a voice of a character of a different race than that they are, it's fine. I think it's fine because it's funny, and the point is to it's make a, something funny, and that's and you're accomplishing and it. And also, you know? also in addition, you know, if you can do the voice, you could do the voice. You're not actually representing uh, any physical features of that person. You know, in fact, um, a, a good example is uh, Breaking Bad or Better Call actually, Saul. Yeah, Better actually, Call Saul. That is a physical thing too. Better Call Saul. Um, Giancarlo Esposito who plays Gus Fring. Who's one of the, play, the great characters of television, actually. He, um, he plays a Latino guy in, in the show, but Giancarlo Esposito is no, part black and part Italian. He's, he's, no, not, he's not part he's not Hispanic at, at all. all, but he passes that, and it's okay. Or even um, Don Hector. Don, Don Hector. He's... A, He's uh, a, a Latino guy in, in the show, but it's, he's played by a straight-up Jewish guy. He's you know? a straight-up Jewish guy, but he does it really well. He does it really well. And, and I think, you know, again, I'm actually all for hiring the person of that race to play that person of the race, but sometimes you may know somebody that, you know, is like, this guy is going to be perfect for the role, and he could do it really well, and... Boy, both of them do it really great, actually. You know, I, I just right. have to say. You and know? it's just, uh, yeah, you just, uh, again, we definitely think there should be more diversity in the entertainment world, especially for Asian Americans. But the thing Americans, is, especially but for Asian Americans, but when, I think, like, for instance, that situation for Breaking Bad, they might have actually auditioned a lot of people that were of, his, you know, who, who were Hispanic or or Latino. Yeah, so I, and, I think you shouldn't limit yourself I, to to only, I mean, only some, those people, but I think maybe they were like, look, the pe- the people are doing it the the best. It, it may not, who are, who are doing the best character for this role is, are these guys that actually happen to not be Latino or Hispanic in real life, but, I mean, I don't know what the thought process they were going through. Right, but, I yeah. and, but it works, you know, and, and, Nobody's batting an eye or anything about that. Maybe because they don't even realize that Maybe those guys they don't aren't realize Hispanic it because, because they, they did so well. They do such a good job in the show. And I guess the point ultimately is, uh, is representing uh, maybe a different culture on screen. And if nobody knows that those people don't belong to that culture or race, then in effect, perhaps it's helping still anyway to show, hey, oh, maybe we should represent that race or culture more on, on television. Right. Because if nobody knows that those people don't actually belong to that race, uh, then it's still achieving that goal in a way, right. I suppose. You know? um, but again, this is not to say that it's not important because it is very much important to, to, especially right now, to create diversity in the entertainment world. 
Right. For for me personally, I think it's it it's very important to have a strong Asian American uh, lead. Lead. We don't have in, that in 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 movies, especially because that that doesn't really exist. And and, uh, and where where the where the role doesn't require you to be Asian. Right. Exactly. You know? If I were to create a TV show, I would definitely strive to have a diverse cast. Um, right. But I was also try to strive to. F- find the best people for the roles. And if it happened to be that somebody was better than this other kind of race I was looking for, ultimately I would probably go with the more talented person, you know, or the the person who did the role better, you know, I guess, you know, in the long run. Right. I mean, the thing is, but, but, and, but there are, there are great actors for any kind of race. So I guess, I don't know. It, it's a, we could talk about this on an uh, for another episode because it is a very much a, a heated discussion that we could get into about it because it there's a lot that goes into into casting. Actually. Right. So we were talking about Apu. So part part of it also is Hank Azaria does multiple voices on the show, and I think part of it is like, well, now they're gonna ha- they would have to hire an extra person. I mean, first of all, Apu already his voice and everything is so ingrained into you know The Simpsons, you know that. To change it would be like, uh, you know, it would just be kind of like, okay, Weird. you may as well just kill him off as a character or something. You know? I, th- I think it's... But he's a great character. He's funny, you know? And I, don't I think know. ultimately, though, it is kind of a waste of energy to make a documentary about that because it's... It, I, I don't understand well, the but solution. Think- what, what's the solution that he's trying to offer here, you know? Like, because it's it's not like he's talking about a solution for... The Simpsons, and if that's the case, then we shouldn't just be talking about Apu. You know, we should be talking about enter to the entertainment world in general. You know? Right, and I think part of it is, you know, nobody said anything about the other characters that are other races on the show. I mean, again, these guys were hired in the late eighties and early nineties, and when we've people weren't thinking about we, that, people weren't thinking that kind of about, about that kind of thing. They probably should have back then. Uh, but these guys were talented voice actors that can do multiple, uh, multiple ethnic, ethnicities and different characters too. And I think in terms of like paying somebody, I think they also just don't want to have to hire so many people, you know, just to do one role, you know, and I think they're like, right, they're oh, this person can do several roles. There are basically know? six main voice actors on the, on the show, you know? Right. Um, and there's a lot more characters than that. There's way more characters than that. And it's essentially five out of those six main characters. And I don't know if you know... the majority of the characters yeah. on the show. And by the way, Harry Shearer, by the way, he plays Mr. Burns, Smithers, uh, Principal Skinner, and Dr. Hibbert. And I think... No, uh, no, you're bad. No, you're wrong. Oh, Carl. Harry Kazari plays Carl? Yeah, well... Oh, Carl, I thought you were going to say Lou, because Hank Azari plays Lou. Yeah, no, he plays Carl, I think, too. Hank Azari, well, anyway, Harry Shearer plays... Lenny's, Harry Shearer Harry, plays Lenny. Dr. Hibbert's played by Harry Shearer. Dr. Hibbert's black on the show. And actually, I, I have I, not heard anybody... I think, but that's that's different from what Hari Kondabalu is saying, because Hari Kondabalu is saying is that right. it's not an accurate portrayal of an Indian person. Right, right, but, right, right, right. Uh, right. Well, I think, no, I think... Part of what he's saying, though, he was referencing Hank Azaria being a white guy, though. 
Because otherwise he wouldn't have said that. Right, otherwise. or else he wouldn't so have said that. He but would have said that. So that again, is part of what he's saying. Ex- and, and which is, right, right. You're right about that, Max. And, and the thing is, and what, is, Azaria, what is an again, act? Hank, but, but, to just call Hank Azaria white is really, that is racist in and of itself, I think. Well, here's, here's the problem, though, by the way. What does it mean to be an accurate portrayal of a race, though, that I, I kind of have a problem with that even saying because right. it's like, there isn't are so that racist many, in of itself actually to, to say, say that? To say that all Indian people sound, sound a the certain same? way? Yeah, this is kind of right. a hard Maybe thing. this particular Indian person sounds that way, you know? Now, now with that said, I kind of understand that what he's saying though in a way, you know, but, but, you know, I don't know. Would it have been, I don't know, you know, it's... Um, anyway, and part of it is, yeah, you know, well, anyway, we kind of talked this to death. Please comment on it. Obviously, this is a little bit of a heated debate and that's, you know, and, and it, hey, if we're being steered in the wrong direction in our thoughts, please comment on them and tell us we're wrong. Because uh, we're always open to listening, actually. Uh, I'm listening as Dr. You know, Fraser because, and, and changing our opinions on things, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe, and I, I hope that you are too. Because maybe we've changed your mind in in some way about that issue too, um, um, and maybe maybe I don't know. There's certain points that I can understand why he brought up the issue in a way, you know. Uh, right, but as as our older brother mentioned, there's there are things in comedy that I don't like either, but that that we consider offensive. We in a way. Uh, consider offensive. But a lot of people don't, uh, and. Some people don't think are offensive. I there's there's uh, definitely a couple things that I see a lot in comedy that I I find offensive, but it, it's just not worth it for me to, you know, go on a tirade or go on you know make a whole well, movie not- make a whole movie about why this is offensive because in other people's eyes it's funny, and so if it works for other people, then hey, you know that's fine, you know. I guess, but you know. That's not a great argument because... Right, that's not a great argument. Because, right. you know, like, there, there's... There, uh, people are going to have... You know, there's still racists, you know what I mean, in, in the well, U.S., you know? I know, but that's... And it's like but, you're saying... No, well, but that's different, that's different because it's not comedy. This I'm talking specifically about comedy. I know, but there's where, still... Where okay. It's a world where things shouldn't be taken too I'm seriously. Sure, but the, I'm sure there's comedy things that they have, you know, that they might think are funny, but are clearly just not a good idea to do, you know, anymore or something, you know, maybe. Well, no, I I think, I guess, you know, I mean, I I don't know. I think ultimately we should get to a point as a society where we can tell the difference between whether or not something is actively being racist or, or prejudice and whether or not if it's just done for comedic effect. No, but... (coughs) That's Nikki. That's not the point. Part of it is, even if it's done for a comedic effect, it could be done in bad taste, though. You know. No. Okay. No. That's that again. You're not understanding the point. You're not understanding no, the point because if something's done in bad taste, that means that they're highlighting some sort of truth to it, and therefore. What? It there's makes always it less. Well, there's, there's always truth, truth in comedy. comedy sure, yeah. sure. Well, yeah, something could be in poor taste, but well, there's that's, not always something. Who is that? I think the only reason why you would think something is done in poor taste, though, is because we haven't reached a point 
in our society where we can tell the difference. We can clearly distinguish when something is supposed to be taken seriously and when something's supposed to be taken figuratively or as a joke. I know, but there are certain things, I mean, I hate to even say it, but like Stella is our favorite group, but there is an episode where they get all this soot on their face and like there's something that kind of makes you think of blackface in that. And I think that might not have been a great idea to do that bit. You know what I mean? Again, you think so, but you think that only because based on the way other people might interpret it. But that's not way I interpreted it that way too. I mean, it's all, it's, I think that's sort of a problem with you though, actually. That's not because Nikki, come on. You even saw it when you saw it, you're like, that was pushing it a little bit because that's just a little naive on their part to not think this has some overtones here that or undertones that that they should have been more aware of when they were doing that bit, maybe. You know? Yeah, I know, but I think the point is that they're... I know we keep saying the point is, but they're kind of... It's such I know a mockery of the idea of blackface, and that's the point. That wasn't... No, it wasn't. That wasn't even the point of the whole thing. It wasn't ta- doing blackface, actually. The point was that I think they got soot on their face for some reason, and then when they wiped off their faces, it turned into like images of Kiss. Actually, it was really funny. But I mean, it is really it is funny. It's a very funny thing. But there is something in the way they looked that did make you think. Well, this is kind of looks if like that's blackface. That's the case. You know? No, again. If it's such a naive thing, then we're looking too much into it, actually. We're not looking too much into it because it was just something that was an immediate reaction, you know? I know, but I guess, I mean, if it's a visceral reaction when you're not thinking about it, I mean, that's what I'm saying is hopefully we can get to a point where that kind of stuff is not going to affect us even on a visceral level, you know? Well, no, the point is perhaps you just... In comedy, things will progress, you know what I mean? Uh, I think they will kind of evolve naturally based on how the audiences respond to it. If the audience is going to respond negatively to it, then I think that'll just fall to the wayside, you know? And, and I think it's not necessary, it's not necessary, it's not necessary, or it's not necessarily necessary to make, uh, be, you know, social justice warriors for a certain thing in comedy uh, I think they will kind of naturally, the audiences will kind of naturally develop their their senses, their, 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 evolve their senses, you know, or evolve their tastes, you know. In a progressive and, kind of way. In a progressive kind of way, and, and that, the comedy will just change from that, you know. Right, and... Because somebody might just be like, I guess this bit's just not going to work anymore, and so it'll just naturally change, you know. But, right. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Um, I mean, even the same way us doing, you know, a, a reference to a bit that of a movie that maybe might not work anymore because for a lot of the a lot of younger people, they might not they know might not movie. even know that movie. You know, I don't know. I mean, I guess it just depends on how you view it. I mean, I, I've seen people who are not Filipino do, you know, a funny in a funny kind of way, Filipino accent, and I think it's funny if they're doing it well. I'm okay with that personally, you know, um, but everybody's going to view things differently. Again, Max and I are half Filipino. That's why I, that's why I mention it though. Um, what do you mean but, again? We didn't mention it yet. Oh, okay. Oh, you know, Max and I are half Filipino. And so if I see somebody do a Filipino accent 
and they do it well, even though, even if they're not Filipino, I don't find it racist. I think it's kind of funny because it's just like there, there's something true about it. And it's just, you know, if they do it in a, if they make that into a bit or a funny bit or something like that, even if they're not a comedian, but if they do it in, in off stage, it's, it's funny and I don't have a problem with it, but you know, I'm not speaking for everybody here, you know, everybody has their a right to feel differently about the way they perceive certain comedy. Right. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, you don't see people doing Filipino accents all the time anyway. So. No, I mean, there's a specific comedian I'm talking about who does that. Who? I'm not going to say, but, and, but I think it's funny. So why can't you say the comedian? Well, I just don't want to like, oh, should I just, I mean, you think he's funny, right? I do, yeah, yeah. So why don't you say his name? Oh well, Chris Doran, you know, he does he does like a Filipino accent, you know. He does So I don't think anyone has a problem with anybody. I, I've never known that to be in comedy for people to have a problem with if they do a good accent, you know, well, it's, he to, just, for that to be problematic. And he kind of does the way he does it is like but well, he does it in a what funny are you way. About Brent our older brother, Brent does accents and he's good at it, you know. I'm, I feel like universally he's considered a lot of people think he's one of the best, you know. I mean, if you're they don't, good nobody's at, if you're offended good at by something, it, so. I if you're good at something, so, but. if you're good at something or if it's funny, then that's that's okay, you know. As long as it's not overtly offensive, I guess, you know. I mean, and in that sense it's not well, going to be what funny. Do you mean overtly offensive. And, and so, that, but in that way it's so not going to be a problem with you saying overtly actually in that. In that way it's not going to be funny though. So I don't know. I'm saying like it, the audiences will judge, you know. All right, well, let's wrap this up because we're going way over time here. All right. To conclude, um, I know we went way off topic here just now, but to conclude, The Simpsons were its heyday, I would say, what, 90, second half of 90, but really heyday, heyday? The heyday, 91, 91 to, to 97. 97. 97. 91 to 97. Those, just that section of The Simpsons, those years, is golden one TV. Of the, one of the best TV shows of all time. Right. Um, right. Too bad its legacy was somewhat tainted by the subsequent seasons. Right. Um, well, I would say it was, uh, the, the seasons after that, immediately after that, didn't taint it necessarily, but 2000 and on, I would say, kind of. Right. Yeah. Its legacy was, that said, those are really, that, if you just view that, section of the Simpsons, that section of his, the history of Simpsons, right. that is truly one of the best uh, right. I think, TV I think shows what made people time. think The Simpsons was a great TV show were because of the first seasons, actually. The, right. Like maybe, you know, this first... It only continues because seasons. of that, because, because of those years. Because of those years, I think, because it, it, it established itself as being a good television show. And, and a true, after, a uniquely, unique voice in comedy. Right. But now it doesn't really do that anymore, I think, you know. Um, but if you haven't checked out those seasons, go check them out. They're really funny. And, you know, you can please disagree with us if you want and comment. I don't think anybody's going to disagree with us on that, though. Like, I think it's universally, those, those seasons are universally acclaimed, I think. Right, right. Um, Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who actually dislikes. No, I, yeah, but somebody might disagree and think that. They are funny again still, though. You know what I mean? Right, but I urge you to... I urge you, you. I, I implore ur- you to I'm try per- to find, find an episode that is better now than any of those episodes right. back then. Right, or rather to or as even be as able good. to argue effectively 
about our case for the animation, our preference for the animation back in the mid '90s, because that truly, it, it's hard. Yeah, it'd be you'd be hard pressed to find somebody I think who could make a case for why they think this animation is good now. But you know, hey. Anyway, thank you for tuning in to another edition of Splitting Hairs with Max and Nikki. Tune in next time.